Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. In this Monday Thursday sermon, we wrap up our Lenten series as we turn back to how Jesus interacts with the crowd. We see him turn the crowd away several times, but only once do we see Christ bring the crowd to him, and this is when he draws them to the cross. Why does he interact this way? You're listening to Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross by Reverend Peter Yonker. We've partaken of the feast at Christ's table, tasted his grace and the bread and the wine, and before we finish this journey and go with him to his cross, a few words. If you're not a member of LaGrave, um, in our sermon series of Lent, we've been looking at Jesus, watching Jesus as he journeys towards the cross in the Gospel of Mark. And we've been watching him as he interacts with different groups of people along the way. And one of those groups that Jesus interacts with as he gets closer to the cross that we talked about already was the crowds. The crowd is like a character in in Mark. Jesus is often, often interacting with the crowds. I think 34 times Jesus comes into contact with the crowds. And in my preparation for that sermon, I saw something about Jesus' interaction with the crowd that I didn't get to put in that sermon, but I think is very um, relevant to share with you this evening. Most of the time, Jesus comes into contact with the crowd. Um, It's just something that Jesus has to deal with. He's doing his work. The crowd is there. He speaks to them. He teaches them. He doesn't adjust his behavior to the crowd. But there are two times in the Gospel of Mark, two times, where Jesus actively avoids the crowd, when he tries to get away from the crowd. And when you look at those two times, it's very interesting. First time is in chapter 7, verse 33. Some people bring a deaf man to Jesus, and they want Jesus to heal this deaf man. And here's how that interaction goes. Now I'm quoting. Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and who could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him, begged him for a miracle. After Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, so Jesus actively takes him away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ear, and he healed him. So before he did the miracle, Jesus moved the man away. Like he did not, before he did the miracle, he moved the man away from the crowds. Like he did not want the crowd to see the miracle. Like he did not want the crowd to see the healing. That's the first instance. Here's the second instance. Chapter 9, verse 25 of Mark. A man brings to Jesus his son. And his son is possessed by an unclean spirit. And this unclean spirit throws him into convulsions. His son is absolutely miserable, and as a result, the father is absolutely miserable, and he begs Jesus, please, please, please heal my son. Here's how that goes. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. So Jesus sees the crowd running to the scene. Jesus sees that there's about to be a crowd coming around him, and he quickly heals the man before the crowd can arrive. Like he doesn't want the crowd to see the miracle, to see the healing. In both cases, Jesus is trying to avoid the crowd seeing his miraculous work. Why does he do that? Because he knows that we crowds like shiny objects. We crowds 
want to think and want to hope that Jesus is a miracle man who will heal all our aches and pains. On the other side of the coin, and this is interesting, there isn't also a time when Jesus calls the crowd towards him. There's two times where he tries to push them away, but there's one time when he calls a crowd towards him. Here's how that goes. Jesus has just finished rebuking Peter. He's told his disciples that he has to go to the cross, that he has to be crucified. And as I think most of you remember, Peter says, oh no, Lord, don't, don't do that. You don't need to die. And Jesus rebukes him. And then this is what he does right afterwards. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. Jesus doesn't want the crowds to see the miracles. Jesus wants the crowd to see the cross. Jesus says, come on, everyone, come in and close. Listen up, huddle up, everybody. This is the cross. I'm going to be crucified on that cross for you. And if you want to be my disciple, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus doesn't want us to crowd to the miracles. He wants us to crowd to the cross. Now, why? Why draw the crowds to the cross? Two things, I think. When we pick up our cross and keep the cross in front of us, we remember that as Christians, our journey as we follow Jesus will always lead into darkness and chaos eventually. The cross, of course, is a symbol of chaos. That's how the Romans designed it, right? The cross was designed as a torture device that was meant to bring shame and horror to all who saw it. And when that cross is held up in front of us, we know that in our journey in this life, we will eventually find our way into chaos and darkness. We cannot avoid it. Look at the cross and you know sometimes chaotic things will just come upon you. One day, your city will seem peaceful and serene and a wonderful place to live. And then the next day, something terrible happens. You watch the video of this terrible thing and you just feel sick. And you know that all the old divisions are going to come back and all the old angers are going to rise to the surface. And you know that when you're a person of the cross that what Jesus calls you to do is to somehow move towards that with healing, love. Or sometimes the chaos you're called to walk towards is inside yourself. You think you're a pretty good person? I'm a good guy. You know, I pay my taxes. I'm a good guy. But then one day, all of a sudden, something happens and you realize, no, I, I'm not all that good. I've done things that hurt people. I've been continually doing things that hurt people. I have sinned. And it will drive you to your knees before that cross. So when Jesus calls us to pick up our cross, He's calling us, he's reminding us that in our life, we will face the chaos without and the chaos within. We cannot avoid it. We walk towards it. 
So part of picking up the cross is reminding us of our duty in life as Christians, but part of picking up that cross is reminding us of something else. When we pick up our cross every day and hold it in front of ourselves, the first thing we see is God's love for us. When that cross goes in front of you every day, when you look up at the cross, the first thing you see is this amazing, fierce covenant love that God has poured out to you in Jesus Christ. You look at the cross and you say, oh my goodness, Jesus did that for me? God sent his son in the world to do that for me? Reminds you that the love of God is the strongest thing in this world and that nothing can stand before it. There is no chaos out there or in here or in here that can stop the love of God for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 32. Paul's kind of in ecstatic mode, and he says to his people, Jesus died for us. Do you guys realize what that means? If God was willing to give Jesus to us to die for us, do you realize what that means? He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If God's love will cause him to do this, is there anything God wouldn't do for us? If Jesus' love for us is so strong, is there anything in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord? Absolutely not. So brothers and sisters, huddle up. Crowd, come on in close. Crowd to the cross and know the life-changing love of Jesus Christ your Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.